Hey guys, it's Maya and I just wanted to jump in right before the episode starts to promote my take social medias. I'm trying to do a lot more with Instagram. I've really surreal. I'm thinking of creating some new content for shorter, more fun, like IGTV reviews. So it would be really amazing if you guys could go follow my take on both Instagram and Twitter. It's at underscore my take and hopefully you'll love the content we're putting out. So this book is a little bit Little Fires Everywhere with some of the hate you give mixed in. We are talking about Such a Fun Age by Keely Reed, Kylie Reed. Anyways, the book follows Amira, a 25-year-old babysitter for this rich white family. And one day, Amira is at the grocery store late at night with Briar, and that's the girl she babysits or nannies for. And because Amira is black and Briar is white... Amira is accused of kidnapping Briar and it's like this whole thing that is where the book starts so the rest of the book is all of the fallout from that and it is a really nuanced exploration of race and privilege and class and status in society and has been on my to be read for a while because the NPR podcast Code Switch recommended it in one of their episodes and I finally got around to reading it and I'm so glad that I did. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest reads, anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. As always with the book, we're going to start with a little bit on the writing. And the writing is so good. Like, so good. It's a really subtle and nuanced exploration of race and class and status. Sometimes to the point where, like, you, it'll slip by you a little bit because it's so subtle and so well-weaved into the book. And it's so good for a book that's so good and powerful and could very easily like make a claim that it has the right to be like convoluted or difficult prose or something because of the themes that it is describing it's not hard to read it's so super easy to read to the point that it lulls you into just reading these things and you're like hold up wait like what did we just talk about and it's such a good story and I love that right because like sometimes you get these books that are really big important books that are explorations of things that get away with kind of being difficult to read, right? Like the example that's coming to my mind is Beloved, which I read my senior year of high school for my like English class. And such a good book. I mean, Toni Morrison is amazing. I mean, nobody likes reading Beloved because it's like this harrowing story of slavery and being black in the kind of South in the past, in the U.S. past, like during the Civil War era and all that stuff. But it's difficult to read sometimes, and sometimes the things, like, Toni Morrison's writing is amazing, but you have to be paying really close attention to pick up on everything. Like, a lot of that book, if I had not been reading it with a class, probably would have gone over my head. Whereas this, like, yes, I said, sometimes it's so super subtle, but it's subtle in a good way. It's subtle in a way that makes you read it, and you just are, like, reading the story, and then it's only after you've stopped, like, 
it's really easy to remember and like pick up on the fact that like yes it was subtle but it was subtle like it's just it's really easy to read and my point that I'm trying to get across is she doesn't have this complicated difficult prose to discuss these complicated difficult topics it's just book writing that's really good that happens to discuss these amazingly difficult and hard to grasp topics and I like that a lot so that was a lot on the writing for no good reason we're moving on to the plot and Amira is at a birthday party when she gets the call from Alex who's the woman she works for and Zara who's one of Amira's friends comes with her and they all end up picking up Briar going to the grocery store and they end up like dancing around in the aisles and having this fun dance party and it's so super cute and then Zara leaves the store and as soon as Zara leaves this middle-aged white Karen they don't name the woman but like she's the Karen type alerts store security about Amira store security comes over accuses Amira of kidnapping Briar and it's this whole thing and the person who we later learn is Kelly records the whole interaction and Amira has to end up calling Peter Alex's husband Briar's father who comes and is like no like this is our babysitter and then Kelly emails Amira the video and then deletes it after you know he's trying to say that Amira should publish the video and Amira's like look no I just want the video for my protection like delete it we think we're going on our merry way Zara then comes over and Amira cries about it and I was glad that she had like a support system and somebody who she was able to cry about because she really didn't want this getting out but she could at least talk to somebody and then we see Alex's past and in Alex's past in her college age life she was an influencer before being an influencer was a thing because she was doing all the influencer stuff in the like early 2000s right so like social media wasn't a thing influencer wasn't a thing but now she's still an influencer and she married Peter who's a newscaster at 28 and her brand eventually became a woman's empowerment brand with social media and stuff and then when she got pregnant with their second kid Briar's little sister her and Peter had to move to Philadelphia, which is where Peter's family is from. And Alex doesn't like it because she feels like she's missing out on life in New York City. And she does this thing in one of these things to, like, boost her image where she, like, breastfeeds Briar, like, during a panel, which is kind of genius, you know, if you think about it. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was planned and it wasn't just like, oh, I did this. But it was a kind of genius move because breastfeeding should be normalized because it literally like happens to every child or almost every child right like it's a normal thing to do so it shouldn't be that bad it's not like you can see anything anyways the child's latched onto the nipple right so like I did like that it got it's hard for me to say something that I like about Alex moving forward just because of the character that we find out she is but I liked that but Alex doesn't adjust well to Philadelphia she's not like in Philadelphia and we then learn that the reason Amira got called is because Alex and Peter's house got egged because Peter made an implicitly racist comment on air. Basically, his news station was doing a segment on promposals or homecoming pro- proposals, something promposal-ish, right? And there was this one of a black guy asking a white girl to the dance. Totally fine, right? Peter made a comment about the black kid needing to ask the girl's dad's permission to take her to the dance. Implicitly racist, right? Do I think Peter's racist? No. Do I think the comment was? Yes. So that is why their house gets egged, and that is why Amira had to come pick up Briar. And 
Amira doesn't tell her parents about what happened at the store because it would be exposing that she doesn't have a real job, which is then when she realizes she needs a real job. And so this is kind of what the book focuses on too. Like the book's covering race and class and gender and society, but it also is covering like being in your mid-20s and finding your way in the world because that's really what a lot of Amira's story is, is Amira's tangentially connected to Kelly and to Alex, who are the people that give us the insights into race and how race works because of their characters and their past and their interactions with Amira. But Amira is the one really that's giving us the look at like what it means to be in your mid-20s, what it means to be trying to find your way in the world, what it means to not want to dis your parent, disappoint your parents because you don't have a real job. So it's interesting how the book works like that. And then Alex, we find out, hates all the perfect suburban moms that come to Briar's birthday party. But Alex in was one of those perfect suburban moms. Like, she puts on the perfect facade. Like, she's just, literally, it's like looking in a mirror and, like, hating yourself. Like, and maybe it is just self-loathing because she's turned into one of these perfect suburban moms. But she is one. So, during Briar's whole birthday party, which I love that Amira's fish was the best gift of the night. And I love that Briar named the fish spoons. But during the whole thing, I was like, Alex, what the fuck? Like, that is you. Why are you doing this? Like, what? it just, it, uh, anyways. Then Amira gets a huge raise, like a one-time bonus raise, because of what happens at the store. So she buys a leather jacket and is on her way to meet the girls, and she runs into Kelly on the train. So him and his friends come out with Amira and her friends, and Amira and Kelly end up hooking up, which I was okay with. I mean, you know, meeting on the train again was kind of cute, but I... I <sighs> I didn't have any real feelings and now looking back like I have real feelings about it because of what transgresses in the rest of the book but Alex has a habit of stooping through Amira's lock screen notifications which is creepy and we don't like it and Alex also then like shares wine with Amira and asks about Kelly who she doesn't know is Kelly but asked Amira about like a boyfriend and Amira and Kelly go out on a date, and she stays the night at his place. And we find out that Alex and Kelly dated in high school, though it's dramatic irony at this point because we see it from Kelly's point of view. But Kelly's told Amira about his high school girlfriend, but he hasn't told Amira Alex's name. So we know, but obviously Amira doesn't know, and Kelly doesn't know that Amira knows Alex. And... Alex basically was, like, very rich, and Kelly's perspective of her is that it was, like, this huge culture shock of, like, look at somebody who's rich, right? And then they're on a date, and Kelly says the N-word in a story very, like, nonchalantly, and Amira has this whole internal monologue about it, and as somebody who is a non-black person, I'm a person of color, but I'm not black, I don't think it's okay to use that word, right? Like, I was not oppressed by that word. My ancestors were not oppressed by that word. I don't get to say that word. So the fact that Kelly just does it, like, no. Like, I don't approve. And obviously, and you see, like, Amira has this whole internal monologue about it. And, like, that was really interesting to read about because obviously, like, from my perspective, it's like, if you weren't oppressed by the word, don't use the damn word. But... 
it's interesting to read Amira's monologue and just see like another point of view, a point of view that I've never had and can never have because I'll never be a black woman. So that was really interesting and it made me dislike Kelly a lot more. And then we learn that in high school, Alex wrote Kelly a letter detailing how to sneak into her place when her parents were gone so they could finally have sex. And basically the letter gets out to a couple popular kids who want to throw a party because Alex's parents won a lawsuit and moved her into like a McMansion kind of style. And she was basically very embarrassed because her parents were like going crazy with all the money. But she now had money. The cool kids showed up and Alex called the cops and their star athlete who was black got arrested and had coke on him. So he lost his college scholarship and it was a mess. And Kelly didn't want Alex to call the cops for good reason, right? Like the, the optics, the optics of a white girl calling the cops on a bunch of black kids, not very good, but look, Alex didn't do enough to call the cops. That is my thing, right? Alex should have gone down there. She should have been like, you guys really need to leave. She should have tried to throw people out. She should have done a bunch of other stuff. She maybe should have called a neighbor or a parent or something, right? Like there could have been steps she could take before calling the cops became a necessary thing, right? Alex didn't need to call the cops right away. And I probably would have just thrown people out myself. I would have been like, no. Like, we're not doing this. I would have grabbed hands. I would have shoved people in cars. I would have been like, leave. That's me. Alex didn't do that. Alex shouldn't have called the cops. And also, this highlights, like, the fact that, you know, he was a star athlete. He was black, which is a trope. And he had coke on him. And I don't know enough about the history of, like, the crack epidemic and stuff. But that hints at that, especially because it would have been that time period. Because... Alex would have been in high school in the 90s, I think, late 90s. So that's another thing that happened. So now moving on back to the present day, Amira has to pick up a replacement for Spoons who tragically passed away. Spoons deserve better. And Alex then starts to freak out about like what her relationship with Amira is because Alex kind of wants them to be friends, but they never have been friends. And Alex literally has never shown any interest in Amira until this whole incident happens. And then because Amira has to pick up the fish, they don't get to go to the Halloween ballet recital that Amira was really looking forward to taking Briar to. And Amira's annoyance that Alex chooses not to be a good mom to Briar, but is a good mom to the younger kid starts to come out because it's true, you know, like Alex hires Amira to take care of Briar, but Alex takes care of the younger kid, which is not cool. And then Amira goes to Shawnee's like party get together thing and is having a hard time being excited about Shawnee's promotion because she's stuck in her like job that's not a real job and stuff and she calls Kelly about it and Kelly tells her to go to his place and then there's randomly a topless photo shoot with Shawnee to entice her boyfriend to come out with her and celebrate and stuff and then Alex continues to spiral and obsess over what Amira thinks about her And Alex has the line, she's like, look, I have a black friend, I read Toni Morrison, and I go to Payless Shoes, which means she's not rich or white or privileged, which is such 
bullshit. And yes, I appreciate that people read Toni Morrison because she's a good writer and because the stories she tells are stories worth reading and stories worth understanding. Yes, it's good to have diversity among your friend groups. Yes, it's good to not spend an exorbitant amount of money on shoes, but those three things do not cancel out the fact that you are rich, you are right, white, and you are privileged. And then Amira was planning on flying home for Thanksgiving. Her flight gets canceled. So she agrees to bring Kelly to Alex and Peter's Thanksgiving dinner. And Alex is super excited about this and starts sending her home with food and everything. And then we go to Thanksgiving and Alex and Kelly have their awkward reunion, obviously. And it is here where you really realize, like, it's the little things with this book. Because Alex has her closet powwow with all of her, like, other mom friends And she recalls joyfully that she has five whole black guests at her Thanksgiving. So that makes her a saint. And someone tells Kelly that her and Amira would make beautiful kids, which, like, just, just... Because it's those little things that allow the big things to happen, right? Those little things seem innocuous or whatever, but those are the things that create the culture that allow black men and women to get shot by the police, right? So you really do see how, like, the little things add up in this. And then... Tamra, who's Alex's black friend, ropes Amira into this weird invasive conversation about her hair, which, like, why? Just because you're, like, Amira didn't want to be in that conversation. Why were you forcing her to be in that conversation? And there's the really awkward explanation of how Amira and Kelly didn't meet on the train and they met after the store incident. And Alex freaks out over how Kelly sees her, which, girl, if you are married with two kids and are still freaking out about how your high school ex is seeing you now, you have issues. Go to therapy. And Tamara also pushes Amira about grad school and getting a real job and stuff. And, like, yes, it's good to, like, motivate people, but, like, this is invasive. You don't know. If this was, like, Shawnee or Zara who would have been, like, look, you still have time to go to grad school and figure your life out, like, don't worry. That's one thing, because they're Amira's friends, and they know. Tamara has no reason to be in this conversation, so butt out. I don't understand why people think that you can just butt into your business. Like, butt out. And throughout this entire thing, Amira is the only one who's noticing that Briar gets sick. So you see who gets really hurt in these things. Adults fight, and adults have these things. And then nobody's noticing but Amira that the child is getting sick. Fuck you all. And then Alex is majorly possessive over Amira because now Amira's here with Kelly and Alex is losing her grip on Amira. A grip she didn't even really have, it was just in her mind. And it's so... And then Amira has to lie to Briar to explain that Catherine, her younger sister, isn't her mom's favorite because family doesn't have favorites. When everybody with eyes, including Briar, can see that Catherine is her mom's favorite. And Kelly freaks out that Amira is working for Alex and tells Amira that she needs to quit because of Alex's history with black people. And I love Amira because Amira calls him out for thinking that he's superior when he's just as white. And this is where you really, it starts to come to a head because you see Alex's white savior complex play out in one way and you see Kelly's white savior complex play out in another way. And it's like, they're both the same, but they're both different. And this is where you really start to see it. And I love how Amira comes up with her list of points and she's like, look, I need to stay at this job and I need to figure things out by myself. And we just avoid the fact that Kelly more than likes her, which is good because at this point I didn't like Kelly and I was not rooting for this romance. It's a sign of a book that is either really shit, which is not the case, or really good about addressing the problems that it's addressing, that it's turning me away from romance, right? Because like, One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McCanus. That book is a 
like advertised as a murder mystery but I was like no we're here for the romance this book is advertised as all of the things actually discussing and then they tried to throw romance in and I was like no 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 like even I who loves romance and will look for romance in any situation am not liking the romance right so you know it's not a good relationship and then Alex starts insta-stalking Kelly and finds out that he's only been with quote ethnically ambiguous people and then at brunch with her New York City group she talks about Kelly going out of his way to only associate with black people and it's like why are you discussing his life you are just as bad as him in different ways like you do not get to feel superior about this and then Tamara is fucking validating Alex's white savior complex which I don't appreciate and the week that Alex goes to New York City and Amira is taking care of Briar every day they go to a bunch of cool things, and Amira realizes that she really loves Briar, which, like, Briar was pure and sweet and cute, and I loved her relationship with Amira, and I hated how the book played out. And Alex tries to explain Kelly's fetish for black people, and Amira isn't really bothered about it because it was high school, and Alex doesn't get why Amira isn't freaking out. And if you don't get why somebody's freaking out, maybe it's because you're making this a bigger deal than it has to be in your head, and you don't know as much as you think you do. So back off and then Alex confronts Kelly at work because she has read enough of Amira's texts because she's snooping to know where he works and when he's at lunch and Alex is mad at him for being with Amira basically and also while she's mad she thinks Kelly's hot so like no and like I appreciate that Kelly didn't take Alex's BS but also, Kelly needs to be called out on his BS. Like, it just, it was a mess. It was a mess and terrible, and I hated that. And this all happens while Alex leaves Catherine at home alone and comes back to her crying. Because, again, you see how the only people that are, you know, hurting in this situation are the children. Because this is her favorite child, Catherine. You could very easily bring Catherine to this. She wouldn't understand anything of what you're saying. But she leaves her at home alone. She forgets about her and comes back and she's crying. So I hope Alex felt very guilty for that because she should have. Not only for what she was trying to do for Amira because she needs to back the fuck off, but also for leaving her only daughter, or not her only daughter, her favorite daughter, home alone, crying. And such bullshit. And then the confrontation between Alex and Kelly ends when Alex says that Amira wouldn't have gotten in trouble in the store if she was in her uniform and I don't think I need to say anything to that I think we just need to let that sit there and let it sink in and realize how terrible of a person Alex is and then Alex returns to a bunch of emails about how she's not writing which like good karma you're obsessing over something you shouldn't be obsessing over, trying to validate some white savior complex, and you're failing at your job. That is just karma. And Amira didn't sign out of her email, so Alex gets a hold of the video. And Amira's birthday gets ruined because the video gets out, and Zara and Josepha find it in Kelly's sent folder because he didn't delete the email from his sent folder, which leads to them breaking up. And I wasn't mad. What Kelly said about Alex was true, but, like, Kelly needs to get a grip on himself. He can't just deflect all of this onto Alex. I wasn't mad. Like, yes, shouldn't he have deleted it from his scent folder? Yeah, sure, maybe. But I wasn't mad that this is the reason they broke up because they did not need to be together. 
And Alex and the kids show up to Amira's house, and Amira thinks she's getting fired, but actually they ask her to come on full-time, which Amira loves, and Alex is very proud of her, like, white savior bullshit and thinking that she's, like, changing Amira's life by giving her a full-time job. And then we have this interview that's being set up with Amira and Alex about the video, and the day of the interview, Zara hears Alex ask Tamara if she did the right thing. So we realize that Alex lied, and... While in the bathroom, Amira gets herself a new job with benefits. And during the interview, first of all, during the interview, it's now a rock that's thrown through the window and not eggs thrown at the house. And Alex's internal dialogue about Amira choosing Alex over Kelly is just terrible. And Amira dumps them on live television. And I loved it for them. And I loved it for Amira. And I was like, yes, like I loved Zara being there to support her. I love that she pulled her shit together and in the bathroom got herself a new job and she got benefits out of it. And then she dumped them on live television and Zara makes a scene so Amira can say bye to Briar. And that was the worst part because I was like, no, I want Amira to just wrap Briar up and take her away because poor Briar having to live in a house without mom. Alex obviously freaks out about it and Amira leaves by telling Alex to act like she likes Briar sometimes, which like best parting words she could have ever picked. And Alex... Basically, we get a flashback to Alex cleaning out lockers after high school graduation, and she finds out that Kelly didn't lie about showing the letter around because the letter fell through her locker or his locker into the locker below. So he wasn't lying, but she changes the narrative in her head and blames him anyways. So like, so yeah. And Amira gets an assistant job. So she starts with a receptionist job, which is a job she got in the bathroom. And then she gets an assistant job and she gets $18 an hour and free lunch. And she never ends up with Kelly again, which was a huge blessing. And the book ends because at one point, Amira sees Briar and Briar still being ignored by Alex. And it ends with like hope, but also fear that Briar might end up like Alex. So yeah, to wrap up this episode it was so good I loved this book obviously very subtle yet very obvious and very important discussions about race and class and society and it's interesting because it wasn't the incident that starts the book that actually had these discussions right because when you think about a book about race right the biggest ones that come to my mind of contemporary novels are Angie Thomas's novels right where in the hate you give it's somebody being shot by the police a black man being shot by the police a black teenager in On the Come Up, it's gang violence is a big thing. And On the Come Up is a little more like such a fun age. And I think Concrete Rose is also a little more like such a fun age because they deal with less big topics. But with such a fun age, you have that big incident in the beginning. So you think that that's going to be the one that brings all these things to the surface. And it tangentially does because it's the fallout of that that brings all the stuff to the surface. But it really is Kelly and Alex's past together and their reaction to this that brings these discussions up. And if you put Kelly and Alex together, they would make one very obviously racist whole, but separately they get away with more of their racist tendencies because they're subtle and because they're accepted by society and because people are not seeing their internal monologues and because people are not realizing what they're doing. And so I thought it was very interesting and obviously they both like to tell Amira what's best for her without even asking her which like that's just something you shouldn't do anyways like that's one of my least favorite things in romance is when somebody's like I'm not good for you I'm not worthy and then is like hiding and then or they don't even say that they're just like hiding and ignoring the person and then when they're confronted they're like I'm not worthy of you I'm not good enough for you and the 
main character is like, why don't you let me fucking make that decision for myself? Right? Like, I hate that in general, but, like, it has a more charged presence when it's with white people doing that to black people because of the history of racism in the United States. And so they also, like think that they're not racist and they might not be racist racist but they have racist tendencies and things they're doing are kind of racist because like Alex thinks she's not racist because she's helping Amira and she's a black friend to validate her actions and that basically really reminds me of Elena from Little Fires Everywhere which is why I started this episode by saying it's a little like Little Fires Everywhere because they're very similar characters and Kelly surrounds himself with black people which isn't inherently bad but it is if he uses it as like the black friend defense and he also uses the n-word without a thought and kelly was a little less problematic but they were both problematic in different ways and like i said if you put them together they would make one very obviously racist whole but the book was very interesting especially because it dealed with smaller more everyday things that contribute to the bigger things even though they draw you in with the premise of a big thing, it's really about the small things. And it also really is about Amira finding herself. And it's such a fun age. Like, it is about her being that age and being stuck and having adults tell her what they think is best and not having a real job and all those kinds of things that make this book really good. And I loved it. And this is one of those books where, like, if I was an English teacher, I would teach this book. So, yeah, I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on Such a Fun Age by Keely Reed. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.